We all know the damage that fires are capable of. What we don't always understand is the cause, behavior, and what to do in the aftermath of a fire. Today, you'll understand these aspects just a little bit more. Welcome to Speaking of Fire with Mike Schlattman and Donna Ingram. We will give you tips on fire prevention, how to deal with insurance matters, and more. Now, here are your hosts, Donna and Mike. Welcome to Speaking of Fire. This is your host, Mike Slatman. I have over 45 years experience in fire investigations as an expert, and I'm continuing, still going on. I'm the president of Fire Consulting and Case Review International and a leader of Consolidated Fire Investigation Services, and I am honored to be a past president of the International Association of Arson Investigators. And this is Donna Ingram. I have almost 30 years experience in fire and fraud and a past director of the IAAI, and welcome to Speaking of Fire. And we have a great guest here today. He's a friend of mine. His name is Jason Zip, and he is a fire inspector with St. Joseph Fire Department, St. Joseph, Missouri, um, and he started as a firefighter in 1999. He's, uh, he's investigated over 400 fires and explosions. Uh, he is a certified fire investigator through the International Association of Arson Investigators, which I believe is the best certification ever. And um, in 2011, uh, he got a dog named Phoenix. Um, it's, that poor dog is not as hot as Phoenix today. Uh, a golden laboratory ret- uh, retriever as part of the State Farm Insurance Accelerant Detection Program. Jason, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. It's Good to be here. Thank you for having me on the show. Yes, and he's. Uh, we're lucky enough to have him actually in the um, in the studio, so we can make faces at him and and you know stuff like that. And before we went on the air, Donna looked up uh, his name, and it's it's uh, C I P H, and uh, and in I mean, of course, it's F in German, and and all this other stuff. But it means point. Uh, what is it? Corner. Corner, yeah. Mm-hmm. So he'll he'll point things out to us today. I'm sure that's what he's going to do. Very appropriate. Yes, he'll keep me out of the corner. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about. Now we've had a, a prior um, show about accelerant detection canines, and uh, but I, that, you know, those were used in more metropolitan areas. And I wanted to talk to you about uh, St. Joseph, uh, Missouri. Uh, it's a uh, it's not a, a very large metropolitan area, but it it has about how many uh, people in it? St. Joseph has. Roughly about eighty thousand people in the metropolitan area, and and you've had uh, the dog there at St. Joe's since two thousand eleven. Two thousand eleven, about six years now. Right. So you you find uh, occasions in St. Joe to use this, right? Yes. Unfortunately, uh, we have uh, fires that uh, we had to put them to work, and uh, we're glad to have Phoenix. Oh, that's Phoenix, and uh, he really helps us out. That's great. Now, St. Joseph, Missouri is very famous for a few things. I mean, uh, the Pony Express, if anybody is familiar with the Old West, Pony Express is there in St. Joe. And uh, also, um, uh, there was a guy named Jesse James who decided to get murdered there. So isn't that nice? Yes, go ahead. All he does, all he came along did was straighten one picture and turned his back and bad things happened. Bad things happened. So you... I never turn my back when I hang pictures. You yeah, know, that's I, a, that's yeah. a good philosophy to follow in life. Yeah, actually, I say, here, will you hang this for me? That's what, so did you read about it when it happened, or did you just hear it by rumor, Mike? Uh, 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 that's very <laughs> funny. Actually, I was down at the saloon, and uh, that dirty little coward that shot Don Howard, John Howard, we, he, he went right by me. I saw him. He ran off the 
anyway, but uh, okay. So uh, why do you? Okay, what's what's the reason, Jason? That what's the reason you have a, an accelerant detection canine? The reason to have an accelerant protection canine is that they are just so helpful in finding out where a point of origin for a fire is. And if a fire was intentionally set, they are able to zero in. If uh, accelerants were used, they're able to zero in on that, that area and give us a good place to uh, draw an evidence sample from. Okay, so they're they're sort of like, um, and I've heard them described before. Is I mean, I mean, they don't actually go in and testify. You have to do that, but uh, yes, uh, but they're like a they're like a tool, are they not? That that's exactly what they are. Um, big thing with the accelerant dogs is that whatever they find, and whatever they point out, if we take a sample from there, we can't rely just strictly on the dog. Everything has to be backed up by laboratory analysis. If it's not backed up by laboratory analysis, it's not a valid find. Right. So they're usually what ninety nine point nine nine percent accurate was the last st- statistic that I read. I've always said, and I've heard it said that uh, the dog's nose beats anything that we uh, have come up with uh, technologically. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard that too. I've heard that it's more the dog is more sensitive than a gas chromatograph or something in the analysis of samples. Um, I mean, it, in detecting them. Now, there's a lot of reasons. Well, not fire and um, fire investigators like you and I. We use burn pattern analysis. We use witness information, right? We use arc mapping. We all the things that we do, which is an electrical term, um, and so to eliminate things, correct? Correct. And then if the dog is 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 um, alerting in a certain area, and we take samples from that area, you take samples first because you're there first, right? Well, yes. If I'm there first and. Uh I'm doing the investigation and I use the dog, then uh, I will sit there and uh, I try to have either or someone else take the actual sample just because I don't want to get any accelerants or anything on me that might cause a dog to throw a false, false positive. Uh-huh. I have to be very careful with that. So right. uh, if you get to the scene of another investigator has called for Phoenix to come out, get to the scene. Generally, what I'll do is go through and look at the scene for safety because the big thing is I don't want Phoenix to get into any harm. Right. You know, first do no harm to, any, to uh, self or the dog. And so I'll take a quick look at the scene to make sure that it's safe. But other than that, really don't want to know anything about the scene, you know, whether uh, this person did this or this person was seen running away, that's not what the dog's there for. The mm-hmm. dog, you know, don't want to go in with any preconceived no- notions. Right, and, and 921 has that uh, uh, confirmation bias and expectation bias um, to where you don't want to you don't want to really do that, particularly with the dog. You and I'm really glad to hear about the cross contamination stuff. You don't want to. To get anything on you and, and track it into oh exactly you know that's one of the big things in fire investigation anymore is you know thinking back to the days when you take your shovel you dig out the scene and uh, throw your shovel in the back and get it out uh, at the next scene and <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh, times have changed <laughs> yes they have 
I want to back up here and ask you, well, first of all, St. Joseph is fortunate to have you in Phoenix. Not every department has access to an accelerant. That's so. very true. Uh, I can only speak for uh, Phoenix's through a program with State Farm Insurance. Mm-hmm. And I want to say there's approximately 275 State Farm accelerant detection dogs across the United States and Canada. Right. And they give them only, though, they give them only to law enforcement or fire departments, right? Correct. And, right. So, I mean, mainly at any rate. And uh, and so they, um, so it's not the private investigators that have them, but private investigators do have some, too, um, that they have them certified also. And uh, I imagine that's where you were going with that. Uh, thinking, yes, where it came from, but I, what prompted St. Joseph to want to be involved in that program? Um, I guess that was me. Yeah. <laughs> well, good. <laughs> and what happened was I became a uh, fire inspector, which in St. Joseph were tasked with uh, doing the fire investigations, and went through you know, the courses to learn how to do fire investigation, went to the National Fire Academy. Uh, and started investigating fires, and I'd get on scene, and there were times where basically it came out to uh, having to use guesstimation mm-hmm. to determine where to take a sample from. And I said to myself, there's got to be a better way to do this, and looked at uh, what was available machine-wise. We actually acquired a hydrocarbon detector that I can't remember who made it, but uh, it did Mm -hmm. not work very well. And so what happened was found out that Bureau of ATF has arson dogs, an arson dog program, and I found that State Farm has an accelerant detection dog program. And basically applied with the State Farm program took uh, approximately four years and they called and said, hey, you're uh, next up on the list. Uh, That's great. Are you still interested? And the rest is history. So do you participate in any type of a task force using Phoenix for other counties, other cities? Uh, We make Phoenix available to anyone who calls in the region. I've taken in to up to northern Missouri to help the uh, state fire investigators, mm-hmm. but uh, if anyone calls, he's available to uh, work. That's great. That was my next question. Is it a he or a she? <laughs> it's a he. It's a he. Okay. <laughs> and that's Phoenix, like Phoenix rising from the ashes, right? Yes, and, you know, that was one of the things, that, that was the name. When I was paired up with them, the uh, instructor said, you know, you have one day if you want to change your dog's name, and it was like, Wow, how could I possibly change that? No, no, you couldn't. It's great. (laughs) Yeah, that's great. Well, you had to train with him, didn't you? I mean, you had to actually, they trained him before you got there, but you also had to train with him. Ended up uh, going to Maine, and uh, State Farm is paired with uh, its Maine specialty dogs, Mm -hmm. which is run by a gentleman named Paul Gallagher. Okay. Okay. and actually ended up spending five weeks in Maine in 
in September, which <laughs> worked out well because that was their one month of summer, I think. Yeah, that's, so. what, that's what they have. They, <laughs> right. Yeah, they only designate one. And yeah, it was, I'm glad you had that one. <laughs> but uh, spent five weeks there getting paired up with Phoenix and learning to work with them. And it was really amazing because at the start of the program, they told me, the dog knows what to do. <laughs> You're the one who's here for training. <laughs> and whenever I uh, need a moment of humility, that's when I step back and go, if the dog figures out how to drive, yeah, you, I'm going to be out of a job. You're done. Well, <laughs> let me give you a little bit of hope. Um, now, I do have a photograph of a dog on a witness stand with its paw in the air, you know, with the judge uh, looking in the background. However, you still have to testify. I'm sorry. <laughs> this is very true. Yes. And you'll have to go to depositions and sometimes, yes. But if the dog learns how to type, I'm in trouble. Oh, yeah, well, that's true. Well, then, yeah, because you can write a really good report and just not ever have to go to court again. There we go. Okay, so uh, now, so these dogs are really trained, um, and they're trained in different ways. And is there, well, I'm going to ask you two questions here. One of the first one is, uh, when people think about, police dogs, they usually think of German Shepherds. When they think about accelerant detection canines, most of the time they think about Labrador Retrievers, and that's what Phoenix is, right? Correct. And it's a golden one. Mm -hmm. Okay. But there are other kind of dogs, too, that are also uh, trained for accelerant detection canines. Is that correct? I believe so, yes. Yes. In fact, there's one that's a like a Malmute, like a big dog that I know that's... Uh, really? That is a, yes. And so... Um, and, and there are different um, certification programs in different parts, right, of this, uh, the country or whatever? Um, I believe there are. Phoenix is trained through uh, two main criminal justice academy standards. Uh, I believe there's also an organization, Canine Accelerant Detection. CADA. CADA. CADA, CADA yeah. Uh, ATF has their own. There are various and sundry certifications and Right, for organizations. Those, yeah, but for the one I know about is State Farms and uh, the uh, Maine Criminal Justice Academy certification. Do, do all the State Farm dogs go through that one? Yes. Okay. Um, uh, for anybody that's not informed, the ATF is the Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms Di uh, and Explosives Division of the uh, Department of Justice. And um, they're the ones that, uh, that do the main explosions, uh, fire investigations. Uh, in fact, we're, they're here today, or they were here today on a big warehouse fire uh, in downtown Kansas City. So um, they've already worked uh, that, that one. But um, you, you are um, the public sector guy. You're the guy that goes there for the fire department to try to determine whether or not there's a, there's a crime involved, right? Yes, sir. Okay, so just because the dog alerts on a particular area, that doesn't mean that it's an arson, right? No, no, most definitely not. Uh, as we said earlier, the dog is primarily a tool. Right. You have to use, you know, following all the tenets of NFPA 921, there's multiple sources of information, you know, be it from looking at the scene, arc mapping. Uh, to me, one of the biggest things is talking to witnesses. Mm -hmm putting all those things, bring them all together and trying to find what happened and determine what happened. Right. In, in fact, it's all those different variables because nobody ever hangs their hat on one particular variable. It's always a combination of things, right? Almost definitely. Yeah. And then 
but you could have a you could have your dog. It could it could alert um, in an area where there's an ignitable liquid that is confirmed by a laboratory analysis, and there's an innocent explanation for that, right? Oh, most definitely. Yeah, I remember one that I worked where the dog we're doing the exterior, and they're working the dog. Now I'm there as a private investigator, but I was there when um, when the public people were there too. So they were working their dog. And it, and it hit on the outside of the house, okay? And we dug it down, and what was there but a lawnmower with a plastic, what it, had a, it used to have a plastic um, uh, gas tank. So what happened was uh, it was there innocently, right? So, it, of course, now, if you have a, you know, like a gas, uh, like a melted two-and-a-half-gallon container of gasoline in your living room next to your chair, that might not that might be a clue. It would at least have to be explained. <laughs> yes, so you might ask about that. Yeah. And there's where I and I say this probably every show that fire investigation is a science and an art, and the science being um, what we study, and the art being how we piece that together. Not to make a case, we are. Uh, truth seekers, not case makers. Most definitely. And but it, the art is actually being able to put together the puzzle and figure out what happened here and not be concerned with it. In other words, uh, not be prejudiced, not be tunnel vision, not be focused on one thing. So if your dog uh, alerts, that doesn't mean necessarily that, that we have a problem. That's only one very small part of the puzzle. Right. And it's putting all those facts that we gather together mm-hmm. to get the big picture. And when they do the training, they um, they train the dogs on, on different types of, um, of ignitable wi- liquids, right? I mean, they're sensitive to all kinds of different hydrocarbons or what? With uh, State Farm, what we use primarily is 50% weathered gasoline. Mm-hmm. And the reason for that is that in your hydrocarbons, you have, you know, very light dis- distillates, Naphtha would be a good example, down to heavy distillates, diesel fuel would be a good example. That's right about in the middle, and so that's primarily what we use for uh, training. Okay, so, and, uh, yeah, and so they, so when the dog uh, does alert, and that's what we call it an alert, we don't talk about a hit, maybe some fire investigators talk to each other and they say, did the dog hit, you know, that we know what they're talking Sounds about. Sounds like something from the mafia. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? <laughs> dog yeah. mafia. Dog mafia. <laughs> anyway, so, yeah, but uh, all that means is that there, it, you know, you take a sample there and the, and the lab comes back, it's certainly not always gasoline, it's, it, they can identify different liquids, right? Yes, they can. Uh, they use uh, gas chromatography and mass spectrometry and I should get a medal for just being able to say that all in one sentence. He said it, he said it right. Yeah, he did <laughs> said it right too. And I usually step step over the mass thing. But anyway, but um, yes, and and they will even have gas chromatograms uh, which will show the peaks and, and they'll tell you which uh, what it is. They can identify it. So um, and so those so the dogs really are sensitive to, I mean, they can pick up a bunch of different things, right? Yes, they can. Yes. And uh, and so, and then bottom line is that uh, at the end of the day, if, if, the, if you're picking up, uh, you take the samples, 
you send them off for analysis, they come back as positive for gasoline, the, uh, the burn patterns work, this is a ignitable liquid in an area where it shouldn't be, um, you know, and all the other things work together, you know, maybe somebody saw somebody running out the door right as the fire erupted or whatever, then, um, then you might be, now we're going to be able to, you know, make an, an analysis and, and actually determine whether it's incendiary or not, right? Correct. Okay. What is the average career span for the dogs? There are dogs that are 12 years old that are still working and older. Uh, It's as long as the dog feels that, you know, as long as the dog is healthy to work. Uh, One thing that uh, I've gotten asked is, well, isn't that bad for the dog? The dog is smelling all that bad stuff at a fire scene. And there has not been one confirmed case where the dog has developed cancer or any of the dogs have developed cancer from doing this. I've so. seen those articles uh, challenging that, but not not saying that it happened. Yeah. Well, you're breathing it too, so. Exactly. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> <laughs> but it hasn't changed him. I've known him for a bunch of years. He's always looked like this. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could blame it on that. But. <laughs> so. I'm the one with the voice, with the face for radio. Don't let them kid you. Anyway, so um, now, but you have to do this right. You have to be able to, to work the scene correctly, right? Almost uh, definitely. Yeah, well, I was at a fire scene once where, uh, where uh, an investigator uh, will remain nameless. Um, we were at a fire and, uh, and the roof had fallen in, okay? So, so now we have a roof on top of a bunch of debris. Um, and then uh, this particular investigator was walking the dog on top of the roof. They didn't move the roof yet. Okay. I didn't think it was going to hit, and it did not hit because it can't smell, right? It can't smell through an entire eight inches of roof, can it? Actually, it is very possible for the dog to smell, depending on whether there's voids and uh, how things have fallen it is possible for the dog to smell one of my things that i would be questioning there not to armchair quarterback is walking the dog on a roof that is possibly covered with things like asphalt yes and uh substances that have all sorts of petroleum products in them Mm -hmm. which that would be one of those that well Maybe we should step back and rethink this. <laughs> well, I, I thought it would might have been a good idea, and that's exactly what kind of roof it was. And uh, and you know we might want to take that off so there wouldn't be any false positives. Almost definitely. Yeah, and and just pick and pick that thing off there and let them and have, make it safe because you those dogs. I mean, they're going to cut themselves too, just like we do. And and uh, and they don't. Do you have boots for the dog? <laughs> Actually, no, I don't. And, but that's that's a very good question. And uh, my wife is constantly after me to, your dog needs boots. And I actually have to go back to training in that was they taught that you know the dog knows where to step. Dogs are actually very good. You know they have an amazing sense of self-preservation, actually better than we do. <laughs> <laughs> and it's actually amazing because if the dog 
a dog's pads are able to feel, you know, if it feels something sharp, it's not going to step there. Where the problems start is when the crazy handler is sitting there with the leash in his hand and all of a sudden he gives that leash a tug. And I mean, anyone who's had a dog has seen what happens if you tug that leash. The dog all of a sudden kind of goes almost down. Yeah, right. Uh, puts its feet out. And that's when accidents happen. But it also goes back to, you know, scene safety and making sure that things are safe before going in there. That's right. So you haven't you haven't destroyed you haven't hurt your dog yet. No. Good idea. Good idea. And uh, well, anyway, so uh, it it concerns me. Yeah, uh, there are some there are some dogs um, out there in the world, uh, and I know that they're. You know they are maligned actually because there's a there was a there was a person that used to run a, an investigations firm that was a large firm, and he um, publicly at the IWAI conferences came out against the dogs. He said, uh, you know, at one point he said in a, in a panel that he you should take a rat to the scene with you because a rat doesn't have any uh, any attachment to the to the handler. He, they're trying to indicate that the handler can make the dog alert. Do you believe you can make your dog alert? I believe that dogs are amazing and they can pick up patterns and they can pick up mannerisms and if you're not training properly, yes, it can happen. But having said that, one of the big things is proper training and then confirmation in the laboratory. Mm-hmm. Right. So it, yeah. Well, I did know a dog uh, once upon a time in a in a very rural area in a in another state, a rural state, where the the uh, the dog handler and the and well, the dog was very a very obese dog, and and it was a food reward dog, and it liked to eat, and it it hit like sixteen times in this uh wanting food and wanting food actually and you know actually two of them were real because that's where the area of origin was but he was hitting uh on and that's on the carpet unburdened unburdened that goes back to training Mm -hmm. yeah so it's just really sad but but i mean so anything that any china tool can be misused correct almost definitely when we come back uh, we're going to be taking a break here in a minute i want to tell you a funny story that happened in our organization that i that with one of the dogs. Oh, was it our so, dog? It was. Because we used to have a dog. Oh, really? Yes. Um, Actually, no, it wasn't, but it was someone in, on the private side, and, and I'll just have to, I'll, I'll tell you the story. Yeah, because Skylar never made a mistake. <laughs> Skylar was our dog. <laughs> and it wasn't our dog. It was Larry Stemmerman's dog, and God bless him. And he's out there. So we're going to be coming back here in a minute. And when we do come back, we're going to hear whatever Donna's going to tell story, and, uh, and we'll have some more... Uh, Good uh, questions, hopefully, from uh, for Jason Zip. At least, if I don't ask them, they might be all right. <laughs> anyway, so when you come back, do come back to Speaking of Fire. it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. 
Fire Consulting International provides consulting and expert fire origin and cause investigations. Our experienced, certified fire investigators have specialized skills to meet litigation requirements. We also provide peer review of reports for other investigative firms to assure they meet NFPA guidelines and ASTM standards. Educational classes and CEU classes are also provided. For professional investigations, contact Fire Consulting International at fcifire.com or call 913-262-5200. Fireanalysis.net offers cutting-edge, comprehensive programs unique to the insurance industry. Our vendor vetting assures regulatory compliance with the Sarbanes-Oxley Act, NFPA guidelines, and ASTM standards. We ensure that investigators' reports are in compliance with those standards. We also offer comprehensive programs to assure compliance with your company guidelines. Please contact fireanalysis.net. That's fireanalysis.net. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to Speaking of Fire with Mike Schlattman and Donna Ingram. To call in to today's show, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to connect at speakingoffire.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to Speaking of Fire. Thanks for joining us. Before the break, I wanted to tell a, a quick story since we were talking about the dogs and, and their behavior. Years and years ago, and, and I'm not going to name names, um, we, we had retained someone who had a dog. She had run a, a like you, an ATF dog and this and that. On the private side, of course, you're not going to use that same dog. She had also gotten a dog that was a rescue dog in had retrained it into an accelerant that really didn't work out well in this particular instance well on one of our scenes the dog was confused and our investigator was in the basement of the building and the dog kept finding our investigator (laughs) and expecting the reward because it was a rescue so it wasn't sure what its job was when it was there and but it was funny nice and that actually uh brings up a point uh because Phoenix was a rescue dog. Um, and most of the state farm dogs actually are rescue dogs. Uh, Phoenix was actually initially, when he was taken from the rescue, from what they told me, he was initially trained for the guide dogs for the blind. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, his natural inquisitiveness <laughs> oh, didn't no. really, probably wouldn't have worked well for... Uh, Leading a uh, blind person. Oh, good God. But <laughs> that same inquisitiveness works very well right. for being an accelerant detection dog. So he was in reverse. So exactly. he's actually dragging blind people around. Well, I sincerely <laughs> hope not. So. 
Did my did our investigator smell really bad? Is that why no. he kept? I, I didn't know. Well, he wasn't a cadaver dog. I just Poor I remember that. Poor chop. Because he came back in. That was Larry. He came back in just laughing because he said that poor dog didn't know what it was there to do, and it just kept finding me and finding me. So <laughs> just instead of he didn't um, know he was yeah, lost. Just exactly. really liked him. Yeah, and we have gotten an email. I'm going to read to everyone. Um, and this is regarding the Accelerate Dogs. It says, Dear Mike and Donna, First and foremost, I want to thank you for all you do to promote the fire investigation profession. Yes, we do, and, and thank you for that. Your radio show is top-notch and brings the best in the business on the topics. Definitely a world-class show. Thank wow. you. We got a hardest guy. Yeah, we do. Yeah, Gold star. Yeah. And we have faces for radio. No, Secondly, I would like to comment on the canine accelerant dogs and how they are an invaluable tool. We have a male Belgium Malinois. Malinois? Malinois. 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 Oh, there you are. I'm oui, Illinois. Oui. I'm from the Okay. <laughs> Named Stryker with a Y. Who is NAPWDA, CADA, and Texas State Fire Marshal certified. Stryker has been very instrumental in origin and cause investigations and has a proven track record. We all know as trained fire investigators a general area to collect samples from burn patterns based on our training experience. However, it is always a hit or miss situation depending on the ignitable liquid utilized by the perpetrator. The advantage of the canine as a tool is exact pinpointing, very good point, which ultimately can reduce the amount of samples and save the client money on yeah that on the private side, not to mention when the forensic laboratory report comes back positive as well the canine handler's written report, it supports and strengthens the investigator's hypothesis. These canines are underused in this field and seem to be harder to locate in the public and private sector. That's true. I have seen decline right. in that, too. Again, thank you for your dedication to the fire investigation, investigation field and for speaking on this topic. If anyone would like to use Stryker, we will deploy him anywhere in the Midwest. That came from Jim Stanley, uh, owner of Dynamic Investigations Group, DIG, love it, Jim, uh, out of Springfield. And thank you, Jim, for sending your email in and for the compliments. And we agree that the utilization of the dogs is, is there's just not enough of them out there. Oh, exactly. And uh, I have to agree with them 100%. Uh, Speaking from personal experience, prior to having Phoenix, would uh, I, I know there were times when take thirty or forty mm -hmm. evidence samples, so have thirty or forty cans, and uh, we use the Missouri State Highway Patrol lab for our uh, laboratory analysis, and I always felt sorry for the tech when. Mm -hmm. would show up there with 30 or 40 cans that then had to be logged in. Uh, right, that's evidence. Exactly. And one of the bad things was each one of those cans has to be looked at. And so there were times when wouldn't hear anything back from the Highway Patrol Lab for several months. Mm -hmm. uh, just because in addition to looking at our evidence samples, they're looking at evidence samples across the state, you know, not only for uh, 
fire, but for drugs, for anything in police work. So, mm -hmm. and it's been amazing because since getting Phoenix, we've gone to on average, you know, four or five evidence samples. Well, the nice thing is our uh, time getting time between turning in evidence samples for analysis and getting them back has dropped significantly down to one or two months, which is amazing. Right. So it's not direct, but it's actually a way that, you know, we're actually saving some money. Yes. Because, you know, to send all these samples through the gas chromatograph and mass spectrometer, I get a gold star. That's twice. That's yeah. twice. <laughs> yeah. And you said it twice, and I, and I like it. Um, uh, I know Jim Stanley, too, by the way. He's very good. At, um, and um, I'm sure, it, and see, it's very underused in the, in the private sector uh, because the insurance companies in the past uh, have not recognized the value. Uh, they realize they, they, they do save a lot. They save, they save a lot of sample costs, like you said, because, uh, you know, you take less samples, but just take them in the right areas now. And then, and uh, you know, the private labs, they, they charge per sample, too. So that saves them. And then it uh, saves on time um, for the investigators, too. Um, everything has to be equal, though. I mean, you've got to get all these other variables to work before you can call a fire. Just one thing, like, like a positive hit, as we call it. Um, doesn't mean that that makes the cake. No, exactly. It has to be everything in the, as I said earlier, the big picture. Yeah, and I know Jim, uh, he has that for insurance companies, and it's really inexpensive. Uh, frankly, uh, that dog is very inexpensive uh, uh, to to utilize. It's just too bad that the, the insurance carriers haven't uh, no, um, uh, realized how valuable they are. Well, and I know Jim too, and he has a, a background in law enforcement, and so he's been around on both sides of the street and knows the value of it too, whether it's taxpayer money or um, the insurance industry. Uh, it, it, it is a good tool uh, for them to use and, and save monies, but it's not publicized, so let me take this opportunity to again publicized to all fire departments, uh, county, Missouri State Fire Marshal. If you have an opportunity to put uh, an investigator through the program, get them trained, get a dog, and for the insurance industry to really take a look at this program and look at people like Jim Stanley and look at their dogs and recognize that it is a tool. It's no different than than a shovel or or anything else. And this is going to, it's, it's like us sending, uh, we send out two people, we send the primary investigator and we send an assistant out, we call them laborers, um, and it, because they can do the measurements, they can do all these things while the primary is taking photos and doing things, and it's just cost effective, and that's what the dogs are. Almost definitely, and you know, it's one of those things that anything in the end that saves money, mm -hmm. you know, is a benefit, mm -hmm. and I really have to throw it in there that, you know, State Farm has recognized and started this program and it's been going on for many years now because they recognized that they were having such a problem with people intentionally setting fires mm -hmm. that they started this. So I kind of have to give hats off to them 
for uh, having this program and making it available. Right, and these other certifications like the, that uh, Jim Stanley mentioned in his email, um, you know, other dogs are, so I want the insurance carriers to know that just because you're utilizing a dog, you're not contributing to another carrier <clears throat> whose initials are State Farm. They, yeah, it's, uh, it, it, it's just like yeah. yeah, and we and nothing wrong with State Farm at all. We like State Farm, but but um, just because you have a State Farm dog doesn't mean State Farms get anything out of it. Correct. Other than you you mention them, of course, and that's always good public publicity. No, so they're funding the program to train the dogs, but they don't own the dogs. They no. don't uh, have anything to do with what happens after the dog is trained. Correct. They. Uh, provide the uh, training and the flight to get out there to be with the dog and and train with the dog initially and then after that it goes to the department right so. mm-hmm. and you know it's sad uh, I've, I've looked at other uh, programs throughout the United States and uh, I'm a big proponent for dogs I, I think they're terrific uh, and I know some of the departments have started the program and then they let them they let them go. They they stop. They don't recertify the dogs. They they don't uh, they don't want to they don't want to send their investigators to to retrain you for recertification. That's really a mistake. Uh, it's a mistake to do that. And uh, and I'm hoping that uh, our people in this general area will not do that. I mean, if Jim Stanley from Dynamic Fire Investigations is working it from the private side, and you're working at Jason Zip from the public side, um, then I mean that's a double, it's a double utilization of a really good resource. And have you ever had a dog follow you in? Another dog follow your uh, dog in? No, no. no uh, and uh, that is one thing that, if another dog has worked the scene, I will not let Phoenix work the scene. Right, because it would be confusing. Exactly, it'd be confusing. Yeah, yeah. But in most of the cases, most of the fire departments, I'm sorry to say. Um, and particularly in the smaller communities, don't have u- utilization. I mean, they don't have the uh, access to the dogs, so therefore they're not using them. Therefore, this the private se- sector uses it, and uh, and that'll help because um, there's too many. Uh, in as far in my opinion, there's a lot of uh, fires that could be determined if the proper methodology and and the hypotheses were looked at and and uh, not all of them are undetermined and uh, oh, most definitely yes <laughs> so, now you've had a couple of high profile fires uh, in the in the last year I know that up in St. Joe unfortunately yes we have uh, we had uh, at the end of last year a couple of very large historic buildings uh, that caught fire sad unfortunately yes it is uh, one was a had been an opera house that uh, took up almost a whole block that uh, it's now a uh, grass lot, which it's sad mm-hmm. to see go. I worked at. I worked at Fire. In fact, you and I were both there on the day before Thanksgiving, if I remember correctly. Yes, we were. And you came back on Thanksgiving, and I was able to dodge that because I stayed really late on the night before. But, um, yeah, and then you had another one, like, down uh, not a few, few blocks uh Actually, a month, station, right? month before, we actually had another one that it was a, uh, it had initially been a, I believe, four-story mercantile building 
And uh, unfortunately, by the time fire department got there, they were only five blocks away. The fire had uh, was already venting out through the roof and upper windows. So, mm. so, so there's two cases where the dog, you wouldn't want to put those that dog into that, would you? Did no, you? Uh, and I didn't use the dog on either one there just because of the uh, the buildings had collapsed. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was too great of a threat, you know, not only to the dog, but to me. Yeah. And uh, so made a decision that, no, this is not something, this is not a safe place to use the dog. And that's one of the big things being a handler is, you know, looking out for the best interest of the dog because, you know, the dogs want to work. <laughs> that's the nice thing about... Uh, as we were talking about uh, before, State Farm uses Labradors, Labrador Retrievers, almost ex- exclusively. And it's just, they have such a good temperament. And they love to work. You know, they're so yeah. wanting to please that, uh, you know, it's amazing getting them out there. And they want to go to work time and time again. You know, when it's raining, it's snowing, whatever. The dog is there and they're ready to go. And you, you have to work them like every day, don't you? And keep records about, you know, and you have to, You, it's challenging for you to put something in some other place they haven't been before, right? Oh, most definitely. Every day we have to, have to train with uh, the dog. And you're right. And all those records are subject to being called into court mm. to show that, uh, hey, you know, the dog has received this training and it's ongoing. It's almost a way of life. Yeah, well, it is because you're dedicated to keep, and you, do you take, you take the dog home and all that? Yes, I do. He, uh, I uh, didn't bring him with it, with me today. He's actually curled up on the, uh, in his bed at home, but uh, he went into work with me this morning and then uh, I'll pick him up when I leave here and We'll go back to work. That's so. great. And I'm glad you said something that really spurred a thought for me. You said you got to protect yourself, and that's true. Um, in the newspaper today, in the Kansas City Star, there's an article about two Mayville uh, firefighters being killed uh, in an accident where uh, they were out working, apparently, in some kind of an auto accident, and another vehicle struck them, and they were under, they ended up underneath one of the vehicles, and they were both killed. Um, God bless uh, their souls and and their families. But um, we always, uh, firefighters, every time they roll, they place their lives in danger, whether they're going to an automobile accident or or a call, a medical call, or a fire, they're always risking their lives. And uh, and you were talking about uh, collapse of buildings, uh, buildings that had collapsed. Well, um, in Kansas City, a little over what is a year, about a year ago or something, two firefighters uh, were killed uh, by a collapse, by a yes. wall collapse. And so um, there's somebody who arrested in that one. But uh, we work that too on the private side. And I want to tell you that uh, I can't stress enough how much uh, debt that the society owes to firefighters that, that respond all the time and, and, and police. Um, I just worked a fatality fire in St. Louis where the firefighters had to go into a to a totally uh, smoked uh, apartment. They found a fatality in there, but they they were not hurt. And I'm very happy about that. So so people get killed in fires all the time that they don't need to um, they they don't they don't need to die. Um, change your smoke detector batteries. 
okay? Have smoke detectors, put them up, you know, don't do silly stuff like using an extension cord to plug in a, a an air conditioner, okay? You want to throw in a couple of them? Oh, don't run the, uh, as you said, don't run the air conditioner off the extension cord. Be uh, aware of the fact that all those wonderful toys that we have, you know, the TV, the DVD, the uh, the wonderful little video games, all those are drawing electricity, especially if you live in an older home. Uh, you know, those the electrical systems in those homes, if they haven't been updated, in a lot of cases, are not made for, uh, they were made at a time when the most they would be running was a lamp, and now they're running uh, a whole lot of wattage from uh, all our wonderful forms of entertainment. Mm-hmm. Something that uh, no one thinks about but needs to be aware of. That's right. And you have a lot of older homes in, in St. Joe, don't you? Yeah, St. Joe is a very historic city. And uh, um, we have a downtown yeah. area that, uh, yes, we have uh, several older buildings and homes uh, there that, uh, unfortunately, it uh, keeps us busy. And and in those and communities like that, especially in, in usually the downtowns of the world, uh, you have owners that... that hire electricians or do them their own work themselves and they splice into older wiring and I'm sure you see that a lot. Oh, most definitely. Uh, do it yourself, handyman, that uh, <laughs> probably should have had someone else look at the wiring. And, yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's one of those things that making sure that things are safe and just being cognizant of the fact that, you know, anyone can have a fire. Uh, there's, unfortunately, a lot of people have a mentality, oh, that will never happen to me. Yeah. And it's one of these things that, you know, having those uh, smoke detectors, having a fire extinguisher, having an escape plan to get out of the house and what to do in an emergency, mm-hmm. it, all things that you know, are vital. Uh, it's one of those things that uh, we need planning I, ahead. I, uh, I, all of my smoke detectors are wired in and, and this and that because I built a house. But even before that, I had, and I always change the batteries, daylight savings time and time change and everything. But I really am waiting for someone to invent a smoke detector that says, just cooking <laughs> just burnt my food <laughs> well, do, do, alarm and, yeah, yeah. and you know it's funny because get calls quite frequently of my smoke detector keeps going off well where is it well it's in the kitchen <laughs> that's probably the last place you need to have that smoke detector you know you, do you really need a smoke detector in the kitchen or the bathroom right uh, mm-hmm. just from either the steam or the smoke they say that you should have a smoke detector in every room someone sleeps in, mm-hmm. the hallways leading to those rooms, and yes. one on every level. Exactly. Yeah, I only have seven. So, <laughs> because you have I'm, the carbon monoxide too, and, and yeah, you know, I'm all alarmed up too. I mean, everything from security to fire to. Yeah, carbon monoxide kills, uh, and if you have a bad heat exchanger in your in your uh, um, in the. Uh, furnace you can kill yourself you accidentally can hey i just looked up this belgian melon yeah melon ah 
looks like a German Shepherd. Yes, it does. It's uh, actually another name for him is Belgian Shepherd. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I didn't. I really didn't know what that was. Um, uh, most so. of the police dogs are they use Malinois quite frequently. Instead, and you just assume they're shepherds. Well, they are shepherds, mm-hmm. but that they're you're. They're generally look like smaller German Shepherds. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Which Very interesting. Going off on a tangent, it's been actually interesting since having Phoenix. Uh, Phoenix is friendly, and uh, you know people come up and actually love taking him to schools and mm-hmm. things like that because kids come up to him, you know, they pet him, and he is a very friendly dog. <laughs> I actually had to step back and say, okay, you know, this is how you need to approach a dog because it's amazed me how some kids aren't taught right how to uh be around animals and they'll go running up to dogs and you know yeah. just try, try to, to hug try them to hug them and everything else and it's like you know you have to approach a strange animal a certain way mm-hmm. and one of the other things is that phoenix is a fire dog he's very friendly you know he's trained for one specific thing you can't go running up to the police dogs and please right. don't go running up <laughs> right. to the police That's dogs. Right. And, uh, bomb dogs, right? Exactly. exactly. Bomb dogs. Yeah, that, well, and there are uh, bomb dogs too, which is which is great because they're another another tool. Almost oh, definitely another tool, and it'll save lives. And now they have the um, they have the robots now. The, the army's uh, working on the they have they have dog they have uh, robot dogs and really? carry yeah. four hundred pounds. I'll show you a video. Yeah, and, Jason, uh, thanks so much. Uh, well, thank for you for having me on the show. Today and, and what great information, and so happy St. Joseph has you. Well, and so, Phoenix. And so am I. And, and the last time I was in your office, and it was great, Phoenix was there, and he is very friendly, and I, I liked him. I like petting him. He's a, he's a very friendly dog, and he uh, I'm sure he does a, a good job with you. Yes, he does. It, uh, it kind of cracks me up also, though, that people always are, well, why don't you have a Dalmatian? <laughs> and it's like, well, those aren't as friendly. I know that. I always just tell people that by the time Phoenix comes out of a fire scene, he generally looks like a Dalmatian, so it works out. <laughs> it's kind of like That's great. Thank you for being here, and I really appreciate it. Um, and uh, we'll we'll listen to you, and we'll we'll take that into effect, and it, with us. Now, next week, um, we're going to have John Ham from the ATF. He's their public information officer. David Dice from the Kansas City Bomb and Arson Unit, and uh, I mean, sorry, from the Kansas City Fire Department uh, Fire Investigations Unit, and also um, uh, uh, Brian uh, Job from the Kansas City Bomb and Arson Unit, and they're going to talk about bombs and arson and and uh, what the how the ATF helps in fire investigations. So next week, come back to. Speaking of fire. Speaking of fire. Thank you. Thank you for tuning into Speaking of Fire. Please join your hosts, Mike Schlattman and Donna Ingram, for another edition of our program next Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Remember to be careful this week and every week.